Yantiv Reb Zev. Good Yantiv. I just sent uh, a PDF to the uh, chat. It's from Fabrengen of Yubay's Tammuz, Tav Shin Tezayin. On the Pasuk, in this week's Torah portion, he lies down like, he bends his knee and he lies down like a lion, and like a lioness, who can raise him? Says in Medrash, some people say, this is referring to the time between Tzidkiyahu and Mashiach. Tzidkiyahu, during his reign, that's when the exile began. And uh, that was when the destruction of the Basim English happened in his reign. And uh, even later, 70 years later, in the time of the second Basim English, when the second Basim English was erected, it's still considered an exile in comparison to uh, the time before the first Basim English was destroyed, because there's still some, there's still five things missing in the second base of Megdash. So it's still considered the time of exile in comparison to the time be of the first base of Megdash. It wasn't a complete goal. So considering this time, from Tzidkiyo until Mashiach comes, till King Mashiach, so the um, so the Medrash says, this is a time when when we bend our knee and when we lie down. That's what the Medrash says. That's when we, this is the time of lying down. So Tzedek explains that according to this opinion, the word shachav is related to lying down and going to sleep. Like it says in the Pasuk, my, my time of going to sleep at night. Or like another Pasuk, it says about a person who gets hit that he, doesn't, he hasn't passed away yet, but he goes to Mishkov, meaning he has to, he has to rest, he's, he's, he's bedridden. So this refers to the time of the exile. And since, this is, since that's what this Pasuk is talking about, the time of the exile, you may think the Gullus is not only in the body, but it also affects the Neshama, Chas Shalom. It also affects Ter Mitzvah, which is connected to the Neshama. So therefore the Pasuk says that although this Pasuk is talking about a time when Kara and Shachav and we're lying down, but it's not like a situation where a person is lying down and he has no strength, rather... It's a, we're in a situation of a limitation where the person himself is giving himself his limitation. He himself has decided how far he can go and he contracts himself and says to himself, I'm only going so far. It's not like someone else is limiting him. Rather, he himself is limiting himself. Why? How do you see from this Pasuk that, it's we, that we ourselves in exile are imposing our own limitation? Because the Pasuk says he lies down like a lion, like a lioness. The Zohar says, this is a lion, says the Zohar. What does it mean we lie down like a lion? A lion is strong. And like a lioness, that's who is even stronger. That means that even during the time of Korah Shachaf, even during the time when we are down, we're lying down, it's not in a way that the nations of the world, Chas Hashem, dominate the Jewish people. The Jewish people are always like a lion and like a lioness. And the only question is, as the Pasuk concludes, who will lift them up? Who is the who that lifts us up? Who is the who? So this is like, uh, one, a few times, this, is, this who is not a question, rather it's a statement. Like it says in another Pasuk, 
who Hashem said after we said who we will do and we will under, before we understand at the time of giving the Torah. We said Nasvanish, Hashem said, Who revealed to my children this secret? And we learned that it's not just a question, rather it's a statement that this that we refer, we refer to Hashem in a transcendent way. We call Hashem who? Hashem is uh, there is a way we call Hashem you. That's the way Hashem is revealed. And then there is a way we ref- then there is a level of godliness referred to as who because it's referring to a something which is infinite and transcendent. So this pasuk is who can raise a, the lion after it's been down doesn't mean it's not a question who can raise the lion. Rather, it's it's saying the who, not the who, Doctor Bresman, the the other who, Hashem was called who. He is the one who can raise the lion. As it says in another pasuk, Hashem Meishav says. I wish this would happen. Me, and who could give this, and who can make this happen? That everyone, um, Hashem says rather, who can give this and make that all the Jewish people uh, have their hearts should fear, fear me? So, who is Hashem referring to when He says, "Who can give this"? He's not saying that this can't happen. He's saying this is something that who gives that Hashem is beyond the limitation. When not the way Hashem contracted His light, and so me, so also in this pasuk, when we say the Jewish people lie down like a lion, I know who can lift them up. This refers to Hashem Himself, who will take us out of the exile. As it says in another pasuk, who will give Tetziah in the, the, the salvation? So until the time of Mikimenu, until the time when who raises us up, even then, it's not like Chasashom, there's a true domination over us, Chasashom, because a Jew is like a lion, like a lioness, and nobody has any control over the Jew. This is like the ruling of the Shulchan Aruch, it says that no one can control a lion, says Shulchan Aruch. No one can control a lioness, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question, there's a question if it's possible for a lion, lioness to ever be tamed. That means for us, during exile, although we are lying down, although we're missing something, we're, we're, we're not in a situation where someone controls us. The whole idea of the exile does not make any sense at all. There's no room in logic for the exile. It's only because because Hashem decreed it to be this way. The lion and the lioness should be in a situation of lying down. So, so it's understood automatically that regarding the Torah mitzvahs, the whole idea of exile doesn't, doesn't, is not relevant. However, because it's possible that we get used to being in the exile, as it says in the Talmud, we do not, or the, the, as the verse says, we do not see your signs and miracles. There are miracles today as well. It's just that we don't see them. As the Talmud says, the one who the miracle happens to doesn't recognize his own miracle. So because of the darkness of the exile, a person may think that the world is running as it always was, as, as running by itself. And the word world comes to the word concealment. He may think that the world is the owner of the lion, and the world controls the lioness. And therefore, from time to time, Hashem shows us open miracles, even during the exile. And one of the open miracles, and one of the miracles that encompassed and affected everyone in our generation, is the miracle of the 12th and 13th of Tammuz. So this reminds us that even in the exile, even in the exile, there's nothing besides Hashem. And that's, also the meaning of the that's also also the theme of the 
meaning of the passage of our sage of the of the Talmud. It, originally, the Talmud says it arose in God's thoughts to create the world with justice. With and Hashem saw the world cannot exist just with justice alone, and Hashem added also to the world rach, rachem, Hashem's, Hashem's mercy. So Alter explains in Shari that when we say that Hashem added rachamim, what kind of rachamim did Hashem add? What, what does it mean Hashem added mercy? What was what did the world have before exactly? What kind of world would it, would it, would it have been without the rachamim? And what was added with the rachamim? So the, it says in Tanya that this rachamim, this mercy means Hashem gave us, with Hashem's mercy, He gave us sadikim, and He gave us the miracles and wonders of the Torah. The miracles break, and they break through the limitations of the world. They show to our eyes that there is someone who is running this world. And so we, when, when we remember this, we automatically know the Jewish people are always like a lion and a lioness, and that regarding the neshama, regarding Torah mitzvahs, no, none of us is under, we're not under the jurisdiction of the exile. And this is the lesson and the message of the 12th and 13th of, 13th of Tammuz. Everything that happens to us is a message for a Jew in regarding his, regarding his role in the creation. A Jew is created, as it says in the Talmud, I was created to serve my master. So what's the message for you, based Talmud? What's the message from this miracle? So the previous ever writes in his letter that the victory of the 12th and 13th, 13th of Tammuz is not a, just, just a, a personal thing for the Rebbe. Rather, this is something that was for the sake of all the Jewish people. And it's not just for that day, for that year, or for that time period. Rather, this is something that affects all the time after this time period. In the language of the Medrash, from Tzidki Yohu until Malcha Mashiach. The Medrash says that the Pasuk, we, we lie down like a lion, when we lie down like a lion from Tzidki Yohu until Mashiach. So, so to the Geul Yubis Tammuz, that affects all of the time, from the time of the redemption until Mashiach comes. What this means is, what's the bottom line? That in every place, in every time, a Jew must know and remember that he is like a lion and a lioness. And it's only because Hashem decreed that he should be in a situation of lying down, which is, this is just a, this is just a coincidental uh, occurrence to him. Something which is, which is, um, don't, don't drop in Rabbi Rebbe, I saw that, you, the way you, you, you reacted, that coincidental. The coincidental doesn't mean, I don't mean that it's, that it's, uh, it's, it's something that happened. I didn't suspect you. Okay. It's just, it's just something which is which is ex- which is something that that happened to us, something that's external to us. It's only affecting our body, and regard, regarding our body itself, it's only something which affects the bodily part of our. Even regarding our body, it's something which affects the physical. However, regarding the term mitzvah, which is the spirituality and the inner meaning of all the worlds, from the highest of the high and to the lowest of the low. Here, from the high, from the depth of the heights, deepest heights, the highest levels, into the lowest of the low, a Jew has a full balabatashkait. He has a full ownership. He is completely free to, to fulfill what he needs to fulfill regarding termitzvahs. And since this is true, so regarding termitzvahs, you should not reckon at all with limitations of time and space, because we have seen with our eyes. A flesh 
that despite the fact that there was no room at all in nature, not because, no room from the perspective of time, no room from the perspective of place, nevertheless, all nations of the world saw that something happened completely opposite of nature to such an extent that there was, you can't dress this. They, they couldn't dress this in the garments of nature. There's no way, to, there's no way that to, anyone could have explained this. That, that when the miracle took place, it was something that it was in the eyes of everyone. They saw this, this is not something, something which could be explained. And this was the desire of the Rebbe. Every single time that we remember the Yantif, a Yubez and Yugimel Tamus, that we should use this time of inspiration to make good decisions regarding the days after Yubez Tamus. With the Hanacha, with the, the absolute conviction, with the uplake, that we're talking about a lion and a lioness that are not, that they can never become tamed through the outside world. Never can become limited by the outside world. So we go, in other words, with tremendous strength to fulfill the mission of Hashem beyond time, beyond space, and to make a home for Hashem in time and space a, a home for Hashem in time and space. That's the... Um, that's the end of the first talk of the Rebbe in, in this this Febring. Just orienting the, the two dates. Why are there two dates? Very good question. Let's say L'chaim for the word, Dr. Breshman's question. L'chaim, L'chaim, Baruch. Why are there two days of Yubayi's Tamas? Mm-hmm. So, the simple answer is that the previous Rebbe was informed, he came, he was arrested and he was sent to prison. After he was sent to prison, he was exiled in the city of Kastrima. Right. As a prisoner, he had to report to the government uh, building uh, as a prisoner regularly to show that he was staying in the, his, his residence in exile. Mm-hmm. So he reported regularly, as he always did, as he was, was told to do, mm-hmm. on the 12th of Thomas. When he came to the office, 12th of Thomas, there was nobody there. The only one that was there was one clerk, why was no one there? No one was there because it was a government holiday. So the government, ho- so the clerk told the previous rebbe. She said, to, uh, whoever it was, said to the previous rebbe that um, uh, we can't can't give this information right now because the, the office is closed. But uh, come back tomorrow to receive this information officially. However, Moscow has sent us information about your case, and that is, you're absolutely free to go. Okay. So, so he was freed. Really, he's told he's going to be freed on the twelfth of Tammuz, but the official announcement was on the thirteenth of Tammuz, which is very relevant to us. Why? There is a redemption and freedom in a personal way, in a way that's just that's just inside of you, and then there's redemption in a way that it's that it's open and clear and official, in a way that it, it impacts the world. So. That we spoke about how the twelfth and thirteenth of Tammuz empower us both to free ourselves from all things that stop us from being who we're meant to be within ourselves, things that prevent us from being who we need to be inside ourselves, and what we need to do in the world, what we need to accomplish. Uh, actually, uh, I'm glad you asked this question because I wanted to spend a little bit of time. We learned the mimer; it's beautiful mimer, and uh, I think when we learned yesterday, you sort of glossed over the end of the mimer. I just wanted to, to just, just, just to recap the end of the Mimer and also relevant to what we're learning today. Um, we learned today the Jewish people like a lion. And what's, what's that, what that means is, is that we have, we have as we learned in the Mimer, Toik of Hatzmi. We have a strength 
that comes from our very core, and that nothing could stop us. And the, uh, the Rebbe says that in, in the end of the Maimon we learned that um, once you reveal your Yechida, once you reveal the, your essence, there's nothing that stands in your way. Not only nothing stands in your way, but even your animal soul is transformed by the experience. So uh, it sounds like um, it sounds like it's 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 speaking a, a big game, something that, that's not relevant to us. It sounds like something for professionals, but it's very relevant to us. When a person goes through a real challenge in their life, and they overcome the challenge, which means they have to summon their deepest strength to overcome the challenge, that makes them realize what's important in life, what's not important in life. Um, that, that experience makes their animal soul's interests unimportant. So that's what the Rebbe means when it says, when he says, I think, that when you reveal your Yechida, when you reveal your deepest core, so there is no challenge in the first place. The challenge is only to reach that level. But once you reach that level, there's, there, there's, no, there's no obstacle. And so the idea of, that's on a personal level, and also the Rebbe concluded the Maimon and said that what that means is you say to yourself, I may be nothing. However, there's a mission that has to get accomplished. And because this mission has to get accomplished, there's nothing that, that, that could possibly stand in the way of the mission. This is what Hashem wants us to do. And since it's what Hashem wants us to do, you, you, have, this, you have this otherworldly strength, you have the strength in the, your deepest self, because you, you, you're, not going, you're not saying, oh, I'm so strong, you're saying Hashem wants us to get, this to get accomplished, and therefore it's for sure going to work. There was a, um, a woman who was studying in yeshiva in, um, in Crown Heights, in a woman's yeshiva, and uh, she, was very, she was very excited about learning Torah in general, until came Pesach time. Came Pesach time, she went home with one of her friends and she, to her ranch in upstate New York, and uh, I told, I'll tell you a story before, remember the story? She, she went to the ranch, and she asked her friend if she wants to go horseback riding, and her friend said to her, can't go horseback riding, it's against the halacha. Yeah. So they asked the rabbi, and the rabbi told them, they called up a rabbi, and the rabbi said, no, you're, you're not allowed to go horseback riding. So for her friend, that was not a big deal, because she's not used to going horseback riding, so she didn't get a chance to go horseback riding, so what? But for her, she grew up her whole life with the horseback riding, and this was like, like such a, such a, yeah, yeah. Such a so, so it was part of her. So she came back from Pesach, very down, very depressed. Heard the story from Rabbi Baris, who was her teacher. So Rabbi Baris said, she was so depressed, so down, and uh, he tried to speak to her and say maybe you could ask the first rabbi for permission to ask a second rabbi because uh, although you're, not supposed, to ask, you're not, supposed to, not supposed to go rabbi shopping, but in this situation I see how it's affecting you. So she said, no, no, no. I'm idealistic. So, and so therefore, if it's not the best way of living, I don't want to be part of it. So either, either I'm going with Teremitzvahs without the horse or I'm going with the horse and I, and I love Teremitzvahs. So she had a hard time making the decision. She had a hard time because she loved the horse. And then this continued on until Shavuos. When it came to Shavuos, Shavuos, she comes back from Shavuos and she's, she's exuberant, excited, happy. So the Rabbi Barra said, what happened? So she said, I sold my horse. So it sounds like a sad story. Like, oh, she gave up her, her, her drive stream. She gave up her, her, her horse. She gave up her, oh, for the sake of Torah. She, like, she, she hurt herself for the sake of Torah. But it's not really, that's not really the meaning of the story. The meaning of the story is when you overcome a challenge, then your animal soul's yechida, the, the, deepest, the deepest connection the animal soul has to the physical, it becomes negligible. 
when you reveal your pleasure in Terah Mitzvah, that's what, that's what happened. She, because of the challenge, it forced her to reveal in herself her deepest pleasure was in Terah Mitzvah. And once that's revealed, once that came to expression, her deepest pleasure in Terah Mitzvah, automatically other pleasures were, were, were who needs the horse? So, so, so Yonatan's thinking, okay, she sold the horse for lots of money. That's, that, that, that's, that's okay, maybe. But that's not, that's, not the, that's not the meaning of the story. The meaning of the story is when you reveal your deepest self, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no, there's no, there's no, there's, it's, you discover it's all meaningless. When the previous step was. Re- is, it, yeah. is, it, is it just a Colin Moed that you can't go horseback riding? Or is this a, no, no, this is this, this, this just for her as a woman to go on a, on a horse because of modesty. Uh, okay. When the um, previous episode was released, the, the, uh, there were three people that were there. There was a child, there was a uh, great, knowledgeable, and deep thinker, uh, a, a very respected chassid, Rabbi Eli Chaim Altois, and there was a guy in the middle. There was a guy named Rechol Dvarkin, a simple Jew, who, uh, and they all had different reaction on the 12th of Thomas, before the official announcement, when they were discovered themselves what's going on, they all had different reaction to the news. Rebel Yechayim, Altois, this deep, deep thinker and, and scholar, his face turned red and white. It was just like, something happened to Rebbe, and, and it was unbelievable, but what happened exactly? And it was just like, poof, overwhelmed. Michal Dvarkin took this huge bottle of vodka, an unusual sized bottle called a sodke, and he didn't drink a chasashal, but he started dancing with it and singing, and yet, yet, nothing besides Hashem. And the child, was, who was also seeing this 12-year-old child, he wanted to be part of the celebration. So he did a headstand on a nearby fence to show that he's also part of the celebration. So the Rebbe said everything's by divine providence, and these three people who win this event at that particular specific time have a message to us, and it's connected also to the previous Rebbe's letter. Peter says, on this day, not only was I redeemed, also those who love the Torah, also those who cherish mitzvahs, and also those who are nicknamed Jew. Rebbe says that loving the Torah is parallel to the genius. Cherishing mitzvahs is parallel to the, to the average, uh, guy of average intelligence, Rebbe Chodvarkin. And being nicknamed the Jew refers to the childish reaction of the, of the boy who went on the fence doing a headstand. And, th- 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 and this is further parallel to three parts of our lives. The time, time we spend studying Torah, time we spend in doing mitzvahs, time we spend engaged in the mundane, the time we spend in doing things which are called Jewish in name only, because a Jew is doing them, but not something which is nor- normally associated with Judaism and holiness and Torah. So whether we're involved in something which is, whether we're talking about a person who, who is a scholar, loves the Torah, or the part of our day which is engaged in Torah study, we're talking about the part of our day which is average, it's not especially holy, but it's not especially uh, mundane. We're engaged in the, the physical world and doing what God wants us to do. Or we're talking about the time of our day when we're eating and we're drinking. It's just nicknamed the Jew. You base Tammuz envelops our whole persona and every experience, that every experience has to have a goal, every experience has to have redemption, has to have freedom. So Rabdev Label was there at Israel yesterday. And he went to all the sites, and he saw all the holy things over there, and he thinks, okay, now I've left Eretz Yisrael, and now I'm in Shmutz Laaretz. Chutz Laaretz, outside of Israel, is Shmutz Laaretz. That's what David Lebel thinks. Mm-hmm. Comes, you base Tammuz, 
Yubiyaz Thomas says to David Labelle, David, you should know that Hashem gives us redemption in every experience. That Hashem wants us when we study Torah, not just to study Torah, to study Torah in a way that's Mount Sinai is happening right now, God's talking to me. When you do a mitzvah, it's supposed to be that you're there. And even when you're involved in something which it's just a Jew is doing it, but doesn't seem different to an, to, to an animal or to a non-Jew, it seems just a mundane thing. So comes Yubayis Tammuz, and Yubayis Tammuz grants us redemption so that we're able to be connected and redeemed and free and holy in our most mundane of experiences. L'chaim, l'chaim, for each of us and all of us, Mashiach now, l'chaim. Yantiv, good yantiv. I missed obviously a large part of it last night with